You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus, starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Hey, look, I know. We got to do it. We got to take a break from recruiting. There's, there's, there's real football coming up. I promise. We'll get these summer months. Uh, you're counting down. We're counting the weeks down. I think uh, about seven weeks to the Gators. Take the field versus Utah. So, to break it all down, part two of these preseason magazines, co-host Will Miles joins me right here. On Gators Breakdown, you can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his site read and reaction. Will, we broke it down last week for the first time. Of course, uh, I should have known better. We weren't going to get it all in, in, in into an hour. So, uh, part two of our preseason magazine look here, and we'll, we'll go more of a deep dive into the team itself, uh, unit rankings, where each unit ranks uh, for Florida as far as each position group goes, quarterback, running back, receivers, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, secondary. Uh, and then um, uh, kind of a, we'll, we'll wrap it up with a little bit of a all-SEC um, and All-American look, and the Gators do have one All-American uh, from Lindy's in offensive lineman Osiris Torrance, So we'll have a feature about him before uh, we get off here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. But, uh, yeah, Will, hard to believe, man, about seven seven weeks and uh, all this stuff that we're talking about these last couple weeks and the next coming seven, six, six seven weeks, uh, you know, we'll, we'll break it all down, get everybody prepared for the season. And we, we usually start it right here with these preseason magazines. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm bringing Max down, my seven-year-old, for the game. So I'll bring a cooler full of sodas to the Harmonic Woods tailgate so he can <laughs> participate in the festivities or something like that. And, uh, you know, people have to behave themselves while he's there. But, uh, you know, look, it's this is why we care, right? I mean, we sit here and argue about – argue about recruiting and argue about rosters and is this quarterback good enough and is this coach good enough and there's all the talking season stuff but the reason you care about the talking season stuff is because of what's happened in September 3rd right and and so that's the uh you know that's obviously what we're building up towards and you know it's hard to believe it's already July 12th so I'm excited about it these preseason magazines over the summer are always sort of the the bellwether that it's coming and uh you know, it's not going to be too long. We'll get back. People are going to get back from their vacation. It's going to be kickoff time. It's going to be exciting. Absolutely. So one more time, if you want a Gator Focus preseason magazine, readreaction.com slash mag. Get it there for good work there from Will and Nick. Just a deep, deep dive uh, into Florida uh, right there from Will and Nick. Readreaction.com slash mag. And uh, yeah, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It'll help us out right here on this YouTube version of Gators Breakdown. Thank you for joining us live. All of you watching us live right now. And check us out at the home of Gators Breakdown, news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown if you want uh, to take a look back at the recent Jacksonville area recruits. That's where you can do so. And um, lots lots of good stuff uh, going on there uh, locally with recruiting. So, all right, well, let's get into it. 
first, you know, let's take a look back right quick last week before we get in here. Athlon, uh, their preview, this kind of predicted order of finish. The Gators pick fourth behind Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky right there from Athlon. Have Georgia winning the East, Alabama winning the West. No surprise uh, right there. Lindy's pretty much the same, Florida fourth, uh, but they flip-flop Tennessee and Kentucky. Lindy's has Kentucky second, Tennessee third, but no surprise once again, Georgia-Alabama winning their divisions and going on to the SEC championship. So, you know, well, the – they did show they expect Florida to be approved and look, it's hard not to be improved from what Florida showed last year. Uh, you, you pretty much the arrow can, can only go up, uh, hopefully in, in our eyes, uh, there. And so Florida will be improved, you know, and the, the kind of what they showed was, you know, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, probably same conference record. It's just that Florida, um, I think they were handing Florida that Utah loss. And that was going to be the difference maker there. But they all uh, had Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, four and four uh, in, in the SEC. So we fast forward, deep dive more into it now as we look at the talent and what they think about the talent. And I'm surprised they maybe like Florida as much as they do compared to Tennessee and Kentucky when you start looking at how they view will the talent on the roster. And here you go. We'll start with the unit rankings and will it is not pretty uh, right here. <laughs> throwing up uh, what we are seeing from both of these publications. We'll start with Athlon here. Eighth ranked at the quarterback position. So, you know, there's not a lot of explanation of how they come to this. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're wait, waiting the whole depth chart, not just Anthony Richardson, but Anthony Richardson and Jack Miller and Jalen Kitna and Max Brown. Eighth best right there. Lindy's a little bit better. Likes the quarterback position better at, at, at with the sixth best uh, ranking for quarterbacks as far as unit ranking goes. Uh, we'll surprise a bit when we start there at quarterback to see Florida as low as eighth right there by Athlon. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's sort of punting it down the road based on, you know, people expecting you – know, no one knows what to expect from Richardson. We saw a lot last year that was good. We saw some stuff last year that was bad. I think the interesting thing is – so Bill Simmons always does this interesting thing with the NBA where he looks at the trade value. And the question that he asks when he lists basically the top 60 guys in the NBA has to do with contracts and things like that. Yeah. But basically he says, would you trade this guy for this guy straight up? Right. So like Giannis, would you trade him for Steph Curry? Right. And so since you would, because Giannis is younger than Curry, then Giannis is in front of him. You do that exercise with Anthony Richardson with just about every program in the, in the SEC. And I don't think he gets picked eighth. Right. I think if you go on the playground with these 14 teams and say you got a draft, you get to draft the starting quarterbacks, who are you going to draft, you know, first? Who's going to come off the the line first? I don't think Richardson is is the eighth eighth guy picked. I also don't think Miller takes too long to snake around. In fact, a team like Vanderbilt would probably take Miller as their starter. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised at that eighth. I think I think that's a that's probably a we're penalizing you for your wide receivers a little bit. At, at the quarterback position and that we're not sure that Napier is going to allow you to air it out the same way Dan Mullen would have. Um, I, I, so I think that's the penalty. Cause again, if I was on the playground and you brought all the sec quarterbacks in, I mean, look guy like Bryce young. Yeah. deserves to be up there ahead mm -hmm. of him. Guy like Hendon hooker for this year probably deserves to be in front of him, but a guy like, you know, Spencer Rattler. Mm. I mean, was he all that much better than, than Anthony Richardson last year in his limited time at Oklahoma? Obviously, Oklahoma had national championship aspirations, but he had a national championship-type roster around him too and struggled and struggled and struggled and got beat out by Caleb Williams. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to see the, the rest of the list yeah. to, really, to really look at it. But, I mean, Will Levis, no. Um, you know, Zach Calzada, yeah. no. Max Johnson, no. So Athlon makes it a little more difficult in, in trying to chase this down, but they do have Alabama number one, so no surprise. Number two would be Tennessee, Hendon Hooker. Three, Arkansas. <laughs> so, you know. Okay, we, I mean, yeah. I guess We're based on last year's basket. performance, I right. can see that. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Fourth, Mississippi State. So you got oh, the Mike God. Leach. That's, that's awful. See, that's what that, I'm saying. That's how do you That's win just Mississippi awful. State? Don't, mean, don't get me wrong. I know you can't penalize too much because of system 
but who is it? Rogers there. So yeah, I mean, you have to penalize because of system. Every single player in his system throws seventy percent completions, <laughs> throws for four yards an attempt, and then just gets slaughtered whenever they play anybody good because they just basically sit back, play a zone, wait for you to make a mistake, and then beat you. So Will Rogers averaged six point nine yards per attempt last year. Six hundred and eighty-three attempts, four thousand seven hundred thirty-nine yards, seventy-four percent completion. I mean, it's a running game. 147 QB rating last year. That's like middle of the pack. Anthony Richardson had a QB rating right around there and played like 65 snaps. <laughs> like, I, I think Anthony Richardson, well, he did have 36 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So I was about to say Richardson might have scored more, but that's not true. <laughs> uh, that That's, look, he was a sophomore. So, and he improved from 123 QB rating as a freshman to 147. He's going to top out around 150. Like his QB rating is going to sit there around 150. None of Leach's quarterbacks, except for the guy who wound up playing for the uh, Jaguars with the mustache. Can't remember his name. Oh, Gardner um, Menchu. Gardner Menchu. None of these guys for Leach's teams have really been all that successful when they go to the pros. And the reason is, is that they don't throw the ball down the field. 6.9 yards per attempt doesn't get the job done in the SEC. I don't care who you are. That's a bad pick. Uh, so that was Mississippi State at four. So they did have South Carolina. There you go, Rattler at five. They, All right, they, that's a projection. But if you're going to project right. Rattler, why wouldn't you project Richardson? There you go, Georgia at six. Jetson Bennett, national championship winning quarterback, De- and the depth chart four star, five stars there. So, uh, but here's the thing, you know, if you start factoring in depth chart, wouldn't you have wouldn't you have Georgia a little higher? But well, and if you factor in depth chart, wouldn't you have anybody in front of Mississippi State? Yeah. Like, who's behind Roger? He threw 683 passes last year. <laughs> There's nobody else on the depth chart that we know anything about there. So they do have Kentucky seven. Will Levis is getting a lot oh, of draft love. God. The, uh, no. Him at seven. Uh, Florida eight. There we go. So, so uh, but it, it, that is kind of interesting that you see Will Levis and Anthony Richardson both get a lot of draft love. Uh, but as far – like I said, they've got to be taking depth chart into consideration. With Will this, Levis as a junior – Eight yards per attempt, 24 touchdowns, 13 picks, 148.7. That's an improvement. And he only threw 102 passes at Penn State. But he did improve his QB rating by 30 points. But 141.7 with a 66% completion is right about – he's going to have to improve his yards per attempt to 10 to be a top 10 draft pick. The last guy to do anything like that was Burrow. And Burrow had a lot more talent around him and a lot more talent to begin with. And And, and no Wondell Robinson I don't know how in the world that keeps getting overlooked, but it it does. Uh, and they they lost two offensive linemen too. Their center and I think it was their left yep. guard or their left tackle both got drafted in the NFL. One of them went like the second round. And you got Rodriguez who's going to be out the first couple of games because he's got he's dealing with a DUI or something Maybe. like that. Yeah, we'll see. So, well, we'll see. But yeah. but my point is is that you know you look at so here's the thing I don't get Anthony Richardson. You look at him. Six touchdowns, five interceptions. Usually you sit there and go, oh, he's going to have an awful QB rating. 144.1 because he averaged 8.3 yards per attempt with a 59% completion percentage. So there's a ton of room to improve for a guy who is getting yanked in and yanked out of the starting lineup. But look, there's a lot of stuff coming up in this ranking where I'm going to say, yeah, I agree. Or actually, I think they might have the talent overrated. (laughs) This is one place where I get a little bit fired up because he also ran for 401 yards, a 7.9 yard per rush average when they gave him the ball on the ground. Ground. so he he's averaging as much on the ground as he is through the air he's he's averaging more on the ground than will rogers is averaging through the air <laughs> like and it's by like a yard and a half so i look i look i get it he didn't have a lot of playing time last year maybe you say well he's an injury risk because he got injured a couple of times last year but you got miller behind him to step in for a game or two and the upside of richardson is so significant that uh, that's my that's my big gripe with Rodgers. It's not that he's not a competent quarterback. It's not that he might even be a good quarterback. It's that his ceiling is is what it is. Same thing with Stetson Bennett. His ceiling is what it is. Spencer Rattler, I can understand because there you're projecting a guy who was a five star five star candidate, played very well his freshman year, kind of fell out of favor. You know, Lincoln Riley ends up bailing, so you know he fi- figure he probably had a foot out the door the whole the whole. Uh, the whole season did that impact Rattler at all? Now he's at South Carolina. Is he going to play better? Maybe. But again, you talked about Robinson at Kentucky. Who are the weapons at South Carolina? For yeah, I was about to say. I mean, there's 
He he doesn't have those Oklahoma receivers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sort of makes a difference when your guys running ten yards behind the defensive back for Kansas. Like the, you know, look, if you put Vanderbilt in Kansas on a neutral field. I think Vanderbilt beats him by about fifty. <laughs> Kansas did good for that. They, they, they showed some life last year. Kansas sucks, uh, but I, don't know. I mean, put put Vanderbilt in the Big Twelve and they they look like Kansas did. So they 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 would have showed improvement at the same time. So seven and five, man. They go seven and five in the Big Twelve. <laughs> Uh, so let's go back to it because there is some improvement there from uh, Lindy's. Yeah, there we go. Lindy's has them sixth. Uh, the the Gators sixth. So top three, I think, are about the same. Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas. They have Kentucky four. So Will Love is getting a whole lot of love there from Lindy's. Uh, Mississippi State five there, of course. Uh, then again with Will Rogers and Florida sixth. Uh, there for when you look at quarterbacks. So Lindy's a little more positive on the Gator quarterback situation than Athlon. But, Will, here we go. Number 11 for both. They think the Florida running back room is the 11th best in the SEC. And look, this was before Bowman transferred. So if you probably <laughs> let them re-rank it, they may penalize Florida even more. This one definitely has to be just because what have you seen at the SEC level besides Naquan Wright? That's all Florida has as far as SEC games go and a running back that's in that room that has shown any life limited behind Damian Pierce, limited behind Malik Davis. He has shown some flashes. I think there's some reason to be excited uh, about Naquan Wright. But Lorenzo Lingard, very, very, very limited carries his career so far at Florida. Montreal Johnson, all Sunbelt. Will that transfer to the SEC? I happen to think it will, but I can see where Athlon Lindy's is like, okay, show me first. Now, they threw Demarcus Bowman in this, former five-star. I thought probably would have gotten a little bit more love than higher than 11th in the uh, run game. You add ETN as well uh, as a true freshman who could come in, may get some carries now uh, with Bowman gone, but – well, I'm a, I get it because there's just not a lot there to go back and lean on, but I I have a feeling this one's going to be probably top five or at least top half of the league when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I think so because of what Napier's going to try to do. At the same time, um, this is one where I think projection – becomes easier or it's not quite as obvious like we saw Anthony Richardson and we saw him be explosive last year and so the question is can he be consistent and can he do the other things that the quarterback position requires at the running back position Lorenzo Lingard had one catch for nine yards 11 carries for 43 yards so 3.9 yards per rush Naquan Wright in his career has averaged four yards per attempt now Wright's been a little been pretty good through the air 14 for 179 last year but you got to re replace Malik Davis 23 for 217 and Damian Pierce 19 for 216 through the air and the 5.7 yards per rush and 5.3 yards per rush from Pearson Davis over about 192 carries between the two of them. So you got to replace, you know, your top two running backs. Naquan Wright, I think everybody realizes is essentially a third down bat, third down back. Bowman leaves. Now you got Lingard and then you've got Montreal Johnson. Johnson, pretty good, right? I mean, 162 carries for 838 yards as a freshman, 5.2 yards per rush. Only six receptions for 53 yards. So again, I think if you look at that room, you go, look, Wright's going to be on there in third down. You don't really know what you're going to get from Lingard. Even if Johnson replicates what he did at Louisiana, he's not really a three-down back. So, you know, look, I get why people would look at it and say that room is a little bit of, a, of an unknown. At the same time, the talent level in that room is pretty high. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where, I mean, again, I look at the SEC and go, well, they're going to have better running backs than Vanderbilt. They're going to have better running backs than Mississippi State. They should have better running backs than you would expect Old Miss. Um, you know, LSU traditionally runs pretty well. Yeah, I, was, I, was about, I was about to tell you, that was a little bit of a surprise. Lindy's LSU 12th and LSU 11th in Athline. I get it because their running game hasn't been there either, except when you play Todd Grantham. But it's <laughs> it's they've they've struggled. You know, tra traditionally, you know, besides go back to Burrow and Edwards Alaire, you know, they they didn't run the ball, of course, like they did before that, but still a very effective run game. But they have not been the same run game that you expect to see back when Leonard Fournette's carrying the ball. Yeah, we'll talk when we get to the offensive line, and that's one of the reasons I'm a little bit bullish on the running backs. But uh, yeah. um. 
But look, I don't have a problem with this one just because I understand um, where they're coming from. There's a lot that they're replacing and there's not a lot of experience there. I mean, you're really looking and saying Montreal Johnson either has to be the guy or Lorenzo Lingard has to stay healthy. And Lingard wasn't able to win the job over Pierce and Davis. Now, maybe that had to do with coaching staff and not Lingard. But then when he had an opportunity to sort of go out there in the, in the spring game and show something, he pulls something the first time he, he makes a cut and hasn't shown us anything. So it's, it's, it's hard to project. I get it. It's hard to project. And the fact that he won the, he won the job I think then reflects to people looking at Montreal Johnson and saying, okay, if Johnson had won the job, maybe you'd say, hey, we know exactly what we're going to get. But with Lingard kind of winning the job, or at least it seems like he did coming out of the spring, um, we don't know anything about that yet. And so, you know, the, it's hard to project. All right. So let's get back to it right here. And probably no surprise why receiver not very high up there for the Gators either. Athlon thinks better for the Gators at number nine, Lindy's at number 10. Will, just at the bottom half of these offensive rankings here for the Gators. Uh, and, of course, this does not factor in Wiki Pearsall, transferred from Arizona State. These magazines were uh, put in publication, all that stuff, uh, but before that. So I'd say you probably bump Florida up at least – I would think they would maybe bump Florida up at least one spot uh, for that. Uh, but, you know, uh, not really sure. They got Florida at 10. I mean, Texas a and number nine. Uh, traditionally putting in pretty good uh, uh, receivers there. Uh, so, so that would be on the Lindy side. Uh, so, you know, you, you look at it and, yeah, they have Texas uh, Athlon. And it has Texas A&M 10, uh, so right around that same area. So not a lot of love for the Texas A&M receivers. Uh, Florida 8 there and Kentucky at 7. Um, so I, I, did, I did mess that up a little bit. Now I'm going back and looking at it. Let me see. Hold on. No, I was right. It was nice. It was nice uh, there for, for Athlon. So, yeah, not a lot of love there. I mean, Justin Shorter is going to be the number one. Uh, well, I'm not sure he strikes fear in anybody in the SEC. I'm hoping you know that five-star breaks out with some better quarterback play this year. Like Xavier Henderson, I think we're still waiting on the breakout from him as well. I mean, there was a reason Florida had to go get Ricky Pearsall uh, through the transfer portal just because, you know, look, just, there was not a lot there to feel confident about. Now, I feel – better that if quarterback play is better that we'll see some better wide receiver play but this is one where i can't argue a ninth tenth ranking uh right now hopefully anthony richardson helps those guys come along uh but you know i just um there's just still a lot of unproven there we talked about it in the spring uh there when we, we went through the spring roster there's just not a lot to feel confident there and there may not be that one guy just just probably going to be that group effort at this position when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It, where would you have ranked Florida's wide receivers at the end of last year? <sighs> Probably same, if not worse. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at if you look at Pearsall, he's basic. His stats are very similar to what Jacob Copeland had. Copeland Correct. had forty one for six forty two. Yeah. You figure he steps in and replaces that. Then you got Rick Wells, who's out. But then you got shorter than Henderson, Whittemore, Zipper, Weston, Frazier's, and Burke as your wide receivers. So, really, at this point, it's the exact same wide receiver. If you if you think the Pearsall can step in and replace the production of Copeland, then it's almost the exact same receiving crew that we had last year. Yeah. Now, when Anthony Richards was when Anthony Richardson was in there, it looked like an all world receiving crew. When Emory Jones was in there, there were times where they beat guys and just weren't able to take advantage of it. Um, and now there might have been times where they couldn't get separation either. That was a mm -hmm. big discussion during the LSU game in the first half as Blackledge kept talking about how Florida's wide receivers couldn't get any separation. Turns out when a better quarterback came in, all of a sudden they were getting <laughs> separation. So the question then is, why is that? And is that something that will turn around? I think, um, I think the big problem with Florida's wide receiver room has less to do with the top end uh, has something to do with the top end talent there's no percy harvin here but it has less to do with that and more to do with the depth like mm -hmm. if you look at it if you've got pearsall shorter henderson and whittemore on the field there's nobody else with any real experience right you can't go five wide 
right? <laughs> There's no, like, there is no fifth guy to put out there right now if you want to go five wide. And then you figure Kamori Gamble caught 31 balls last year. Now he's at UCF. Keon Zipper only catches 11. You've got a couple of guys who are unproven in Elksness, you know, coming in, but, you know, injured during the offseason. You know, what exactly are you going to have there? So I know you don't even have, you don't have tight ends in the rating, but I'm assuming right. from a, yeah, I'm assuming, a, yeah, they put it together. Yeah, from a catching perspective, that's the other thing, right? Is there's going to be a tight end heavy offense in Gainesville. At least that's what we've been promised. And there's not a lot of tight ends on that roster either. So again, it's sort of, sort of, I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have a huge problem with this, but I think it is interesting that if you liked the wide receivers last year, or if you look at what they did against LSU, like that is the possibility for what this team will be with Pearsall, because you can kind of slide Pearsall in for Copeland. He's a little bit more of an inside receiver than 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 Copeland was. I mean, Copeland was pretty exclusively yeah. on the outside, but from a production standpoint, you would expect him and Shorter to be able to be sort of the two big targets. And then the question is who else is going to step up? Absolutely. All right, keep going here. And the offensive line, this is the one I'm going to be a little bullish on. Uh, I think there's enough experience to have them better than eighth in the SEC. I think once you factor in what Billy Napier likes to do, his history of develop development at that position group, I just think you know what Florida brings back, bring adding Osiris Torrance, who we'll talk more about later in this episode. Uh, but this is one where I, I, I'll, I'll be a little bullish on. I'd probably at least now there, there is a prove it to me as well. You know, after the first month, first month of the season last year, there was a clear drop off after Alabama, after Tennessee, there was a drop off. Now, some of that had to do with play calling. Some of that had to do with uh, not playing the right running back. So the offensive line probably would have looked a little bit better. There were some injuries that factored in as well. Uh, but I do think with, Garage and White and Eggleton and Torrance and probably Tarquin there at right tackle. Two more pieces behind that. I do think there's a good, you know, six, seven pieces there for this Florida offensive line. I, I feel a little bit better than eighth, Will. This is one I do think by the end of the year, just because of who they have, who they have added, Billy Napier style. This one's probably going to be a little higher for me. I mean, I, I don't get it. They averaged 5.4 yards per rush last year. That was sixth against FBS opponents in the country. And they've got Garage coming back. They've got Eggleton coming back. They've got Ethan White coming back. They have upgraded at right guard from Stuart Reese to Osiris Torrance. And I think they've upgraded at right tackle from Gene DeLance to whoever they're going to have in there at that position, whether it's Braun or Tarquin. And so when you look at it, the only reason they ended up sixth is because Ethan White went out. I think it was after the Georgia game and the running game kind of fell apart at that point. Now, some of that was confidence in the offense. Some of that was Emory Jones, not necessarily making the right reads when they were running read options and things were open. Part of it is, is I think Ethan White has an opportunity to be an all SEC offensive lineman this year. Um, I, I think fourth is where they should probably be here. Right. This is the place, you know, when I look at those running backs, I, I struggle to argue with them having them 11th just because of the experience. But I think they're going to end up higher than that. But I think they may ride the offensive line. This offensive line dominated Alabama's defensive line in the second half last year. Now, Alabama's defensive line wasn't all world Alabama defensive line last year, but they were a good unit. And Florida really? dominated no, them. Nobody else ran on them like that. <laughs> no, Florida dominated them. And so I look at it and I go, when these guys are healthy, they have the ability to do it. Now, again, I think you can look at it and say, if you're looking at offensive linemen and saying, what do you have sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth down the depth chart? They don't have another five guys to roll in there, at least not Correct. yet. Correct. And that's going to be a big part of what Napier and and Sale and all those guys are going to have and Stapleton are going to have to build. But I mean, who does? Right, does Kentucky? I mean, I know Kentucky's ranked ahead, but that's reputation. I mean, the lot, like I said, lost two guys to the NFL hey, off their starting off. Surprise of the surprise of it, Kentucky is not tenth in Lindy's, which caught me by surprise as well. And they have, let's see, uh, I cannot see from man. There's a huge gap there. Yeah, Lindy's has Kentucky tenth. As far as offensive linemen go, and Athlon has them fourth, so a big, big disparity there between the two. Yeah, look, I think I think Florida's offensive line is underrated. I think we're going to find that out this year. I think their offensive line was the strength of the team last year, and when the when White got hurt, 
and Reese and Delance were a little more exposed a little bit. I think Delance got nicked up too. I know Reese got nicked up as yeah. well. Once everybody got nicked up, then things started to go downhill, but they were still the number one ranked rushing offense until that South Carolina debacle and maybe the Georgia game because they got shut down there. But you know, the, the Georgia and South Carolina games dropped them from first to sixth overall in the year. But the sixth, I mean, that was ahead of Kentucky. That was ahead of Oklahoma. That was ahead of Texas, ahead of Cincinnati, ahead of Michigan, ahead of Georgia. Now you can quibble with the uh, – I mean, heck, heck, Georgia was 19th. You can quibble with the fact that um, – you know, with the fact that Florida was struggled on offense, but that was because that that was because of the, the passing game. The passing game was sort of eh. the uh, the running game was great, and now part of that was Emory Jones. But that's not going to go away with Anthony Richardson unless they just want to protect him. And if they're protecting him, that'll be because he's able to throw the ball. So I uh, yeah, I, I think the offensive line way underrated. All right, let's keep it going here, and let's get back now and shift it to the defensive side. And will no surprise here, we have talked ad nauseum about what Florida lacks the defensive line. Both of these publications back that up as well. Athlon has the defensive line 10th. Lindy's at 9th. Besides Jervon Dexter, there's not much proven up there. Uh, now, I'm going to assume because both of these publications really like Brenton Cox, so they're probably listing him as that outside linebacker rush, so probably takes away from what you get with the defensive line here too. Uh, but, yeah, but at defensive tackle, we know the issue is there. It's Jervon Dexter and a bunch of unproven players and then some young guys that need to prove themselves at defensive end. Hopefully, uh, I keep I put it in your read and reaction preview, uh, and on you know, the uh, Reddit asked me anything the other day. They asked me for a breakout player. I put Tyreek Sapp there. So I do think you know there are some young pieces there. I think Florida can work with, but this is one where, rightfully so, there's so much unproven. You cannot argue with ninth and tenth for these def- for this defensive line group. Yeah, I'm, this might be too high. <laughs> i mean honestly it might be like i mean this, got, but anyway, it's got to be dexter that's raising them up from the you know 12th 13th range because i'd be absolutely terrified if florida lost him especially if you know if he you know forbid goes down like in preseason camp and you got kentucky and utah coming up i mean i, I i'd be terrified of where florida would be at yeah, well, Utah was one of those teams that ranked ahead of Florida in their ability to run the ball. <laughs> so so that, uh, uh, that's not great. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, look, it's Dexter and a bunch of unproven guys. And last year they had to bring in a bunch of transfers. Uh, two years ago, or three years ago they had to bring a bunch of transfers. They hit with Adam Schuler, mm-hmm. right? And then Kyrie Campbell was able to step in. So even though they missed on Tadarrell Slate in a little bit, and even though Elijah Conliffe didn't necessarily turn out, at the same time, you know, you can't live on transfers alone. And this year they haven't even tried to pass it with transfers at this point. And so it's going to be do or die with the guys that they've got. And you're going to have guys like Chris McClellan who are going to get an awful lot of snaps. And look, true freshmen in the defensive line, especially the interior defensive line on the, uh, you know, <laughs> in the SEC, it doesn't turn out real well most of the time. So I, I think Florida's going to struggle here. I think it's pretty clear. And, I mean, if you look back at the um, LSU game, specifically but really sort of the the issues they were having on the counter like that's all tied into not being able to win at the point of attack and Mm -hmm. you know cox is part of that obviously dexter's part of that but part of that is just you know these guys couldn't beat out valentino and newkirk and truesdell and in fact they bring in truesdell like a week before the season starts (laughs) (laughs) it's like what does that say about the guys who are on the roster and so again maybe that's the staff maybe that's maybe there's can be some improvements there but the idea that you're going to take this group and improve it significantly um you know just in just in a couple of months probably a little bit of fool's gold i think florida's still going to struggle against the run this year will they be better schematically maybe and that might be one of the things why the defensive line would be at 10th as you figure how how, how much worse could it be? Yeah. But, you know, the problem is, is when you play a team like Georgia or you play a team like Alabama or A&M, um, you might find out how bad it can be. All right, so yeah, there's defensive line. So turning it around and maybe not a surprise because when we looked at the roster earlier this year and how it has been recruited over the years, the linebacker position is the best recruited position on the field for the Gators. And it shows in the rankings here, uh, Lindy's all the way up to the has Florida all the way up to third as the third best linebacker core in the SEC, fifth for Athlon. So, you know, definitely if you combine it, Florida's highest position group overall. So Lindy's did have this to say about Florida's linebacker core. 
New Florida coach Billy Napier will rely on two veteran linebackers to rejuvenate a defense that ranked 73rd nationally last season, allowing 26.8 points per game. The previous season, Ventro Miller had 88 tackles to lead the Gators before injuries held him to two games in 2021. Britton Cox Jr. has shown he can be also productive. He had 12 and a half tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks, including four against rival Florida State. So, Brenton Cox getting some love there. Ventro Miller back for the Gators. And then some, some younger guys that were, you know, looking to, to, to see some more for Scooby Williams, Derek Wingo. Uh, we'll see where Mari Bernie fits in there. One more year <laughs> at linebacker. Uh, so we'll um, maybe third's a little too high, but I'm telling you from everything I can gather, SEC opposing SEC coaches love Ventrell Miller. Um, we could tell he was his leadership was out there missed on the field. He may not be the absolute best middle linebacker in the SEC. Uh, he's you know SEC coaches will put him up there. Uh, he's going to represent Florida at SEC Media Days one more time next week. Uh, but Ventro Miller gets a lot of love there for for in the middle of Florida uh, in, in the middle of that defense. Uh, you could tell he was missed uh, last year. That leadership, that ability to stop the run, was missed on this Florida defense last year. Uh, but third might be a little. A little, a little too high for me. I'm blown away that they're this high. <laughs> Just blown away. Like, Would, you even I at, fifth? Would you even have them fifth as like Athlon? I can't believe they're not in the eighth or ninth spot right. based on the way everything else has been ranked here. I mean, Ventrell Miller missed all of last year. And the last time we saw him on the field, he's getting torched by Najee Harris in in the passing game. Now maybe he's improved considerably, and and the the leadership. I don't want to underestimate that. Good point. Amari, Amari Bernie has been an average linebacker at best so far. David Reese really hasn't seen the field. DeWan Black haven't right. seen the field. Derek Wingo hasn't seen the field. Chief Border Scooby Williams haven't seen the field. And Shamar James, big time recruit, hasn't seen the field yet. And you you lose guys like yep. Mohamed Diabarte, Mahmoud yep. Diabarte, and then you lose Tyron Hopper, and they have us fifth and third. <laughs> like, the, like I mean, I guess Cox is included in that, right? right so that, that absolutely that, does, yep. that doesn't prove it. But <laughs> I got to be honest, some of those counterplays last year were because a defensive end or a defensive end slash linebacker was shooting up the field and running right but right in that gap that was that was uh, that was occupied there. The defensive line and the linebackers couldn't stop a counter last year. Mm -mm. Until I see them stop a counter, I don't think that you can sit there and have either of these units ranked in the top five in the SEC. I just don't think you can. Like, if you wanted to have them both eighth, okay, I'd be okay with that. If you wanted to have them, like, sixth, maybe middle of the pack. But I, I there's you can't argue that the running backs are 11th because we haven't seen tape. And then go the linebackers with third. Because the only hey, tape we have is call. Ventral Miller from two yeah. years ago. And as you said, I'll keep this running joke going. I'm going to see how good those Utah coaches are. I am running a counter at Mamu Diabate until he can, until he proves he can stop it. I mean, hey, it's it, Missouri too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. When, when Florida plays Missouri and Tyron Hopper's on the field, we'll go. We're we'll running counter right at him until he can learn, figure out how he can defend it. So, well, then run a reverse at Tyrone. <laughs> uh, and then let's go to defensive back Jason Marshall. I think we all like Florida brought in Jalen Kimber. You have uh, Jaden Hill coming off of injury. Uh, Travez Johnson uh, staff really likes him at that star position. Trading returns. Rashad Torrance gets a lot of love. This is probably one where I would have said, okay, if it was fifth and third, okay, I can I can see it. You know, and and, and they do have Avalon does have Florida's DBs at at, at fifth there. Seventh, I probably a little too low for me there for, from Lindy's and, and this Florida defensive back uh, group. Um, I, I do think there's going to be massive improvement with Patrick Tony on the back end, leading the charge there, uh, making sure the communication, making sure the the uh, signals from the sideline are much clearer, much better. Guys are going to know what they're doing. Uh, Will, we, we, we went back and looked at this defense. It's going to be very important for the defensive back group to read their keys and all that. And that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see it first. But I do think having your defensive coordinator back there leading the charge does help some. Uh, and then let's not forget, Corey Raymond was hired. You know, Lay was one of, if not the best defensive back coach out there. Uh, and I think he has a lot of talent to work with. So maybe this is more of a, okay, you got to prove it. Uh, you know, we, we, we um, you know, this Florida defense has not been the best the last couple of years, uh, giving up some big plays here. 
much better last year than they were in 2020. Uh, but you know, after losing Kyer Elam, I think it's probably – I think we know what Jason Marshall can possibly be right there, but I think a lot of the SEC probably doesn't see it yet. Yeah, it's interesting. I would have had this group way higher. I mean, Florida ranked third in the SEC behind Texas A&M and Georgia in yards per attempt allowed through the air, and they were 18th total in the country. Now, Kyrie Elam obviously is 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 in the NFL now, but Kyrie Elam was also a late first-round draft pick because Kyrie Elam didn't play very well last year for what the expectations were. Um, it, it's not that he played badly, but he did not, you know, and he was injured. Right. And some of that injury, I think, sort of dragged some things down. Florida's defense overall was pretty putrid, but it was awful on the ground, not necessarily through the air. They were able to stop people through the air most of the time. So, you know, did they have some holes? Absolutely. Did they have some issues lining up? Absolutely. But where did you really like if you think about where Florida got torched, it was almost always down the middle. It was almost always sort of, you know, taking advantage of linebackers and safeties. And then I think you've got guys like Torrance and Travez Johnson who've played a lot now at safety coming in as juniors, a lot of tackles last year, a lot of activity. And now you start thinking about Tony being able to come in and Raymond being able to come in and coach these guys. Um, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence that they've let a couple of guys off from the safety position when they had their cuts at the end of the, at the end of the spring practice, you know, they didn't need those guys. And the reason is they had a ton of depth. And the reason is they got Johnson, Torrance, Kimber, Helm, Marshall, and then you've even got guys like Jordan Young and some of the other guys. And then you've got uh, Kamari Wilson and Devin Moore and Miguel Mitchell coming in um, as, to supplement it from the safety position. Now, this is something where I look at it and say, on the defensive line, Chris McClellan playing scares me because Chris McClellan may get a ton of snaps. Kamari Wilson and Devin Moore, you know, those are guys where I look at it and say, these guys are going to get some snaps but they're going to get snaps initially against teams like Eastern Washington and stuff like that. And then towards the end of the year might really be able to be contributors. So look, I, I believe in Jason Marshall and that's sort of the start, right? If you've got a lockdown corner that you can start, then it's who do you put on the other side? Okay. Well now we've got a guy like Helm who started to really play well towards the back end of last year. Can he keep that going? You've got a guy like Jadon Hill who had won the job coming out of camp and then hurt himself. Well, can he come back fully? Um, can he come back fully and, and be, be a hundred percent? And, you know, usually it takes a little bit more than a year to recover from an ACL. So maybe that's still an issue. And Kimber, Kimber looked really good in the, uh, in the spring game. And Perkins showed some stuff last year as well, in terms of being a physical guy in the slot. So look, the statistics tell me they were pretty good last year. Obviously you lose Kyrie Elam and, and somebody has to step up. But I think the thing is, is Jason Marshall is fully equipped to be able to do that and showed that he was going to be able to hold his own in the SEC last year, which is kind of what Kyrie Elam did his true freshman year as well. Like the questions about Florida and Kyrie Elam a couple of years ago when he was a sophomore rotated around that very fact. Now, you know, that 2020 defense, even through the air was awful. Um, but that wasn't that wasn't Kyrie Elam's yeah. fault. That was because of who they had on the other side, um, and some other things that were going on as well. So I, I think the the funny thing is is I don't even point to the addition of the coaches and the better the better mm -hmm. teaching and and knowing where to go and all. That. So obviously that's good. But I think even if they ran the scheme from last year with these guys, they were still pretty good through the air. And so I would expect it to be the same or maybe even slightly better this year, even with the loss of Elam. All right, well, let's get to uh, more. There's there's the unit rankings there for Florida. Not, not a lot of love, like I said, as I said, for um, mostly – I'm going to throw it back up there one time. Mostly bottom half of the SEC right there on offense. Uh, the best position groups there are going to the linebacker core and the defensive back group there uh, for Florida. So now let's start with Athlon and look at the all-SEC here uh, listed out by just how many – uh, they, they had on each side Georgia with 11, no surprise there. All SEC players, according to Athlon, Tennessee with seven, Florida comes in third with fifth, uh, with five uh, players there. Osiris Torrance there was second team, Britton Cox was second team, Dexter Miller Marshall third team there for Athlon. So there, there's your five there. Uh, Britton Cox getting second team SEC is like I said, they, they, these publications do like Britton Cox. You know, we, we do have to see the more. The next step of his game, I think that the, the numbers there, the sack numbers were there, the pressure numbers were there, needs to become a more dependable player in the run game. Uh, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, no surprise there as far as, far as all SEC goes. Will, man, of course, I mean, no surprise, 
Alabama. I mean, Jesus, look at 14 players on the All-SEC uh, right there. Uh, no, no surprise. Texas A&M second. Auburn is picked to finish dead last in the SEC in both publications, but Athlon still has them third uh, for all SEC players. So, you know, make that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, and then I'll go to Lindy's here, and then we'll kind of uh, bring it all back together. No surprise, Georgia at the top of there. Uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri, Florida, with only three from Lindy's. Osiris Torrance gets first team. Dexter Miller get third team. So Lindy's not as friendly uh, to Florida there. Alabama with 13. But, Will, one note I took from this as we look at the SEC just a bit here. Bama, 13 all SEC players, all of them were either first or second team. <laughs> it turns out they're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, I, I I appreciate Lindy's here having Florida at three All SEC players because that's at least consistent with their rankings. The five All SEC players that put them at third um, for Athlon means that there's really no way that Florida's going to finish any less than third in the SEC. <laughs> if they have five All SEC level guys, they've got enough talent on that team that they'll blow away South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. That's just the reality. If they only have three, if guys struggle, then I can see them finishing third or fourth in the in the East. But you know, if they, if they hit five, they're gonna the you know they may finish third, but they're not gonna finish fourth, fifth, or sixth. So at least I I think from the standpoint of of Lindy's, that kind of matches the the rankings they have. Um, Auburn, like you mentioned, everybody seems to like their players, but nobody actually likes the team, which yeah. is an inter- which is an interesting dichotomy. But you well, know, Bill Lindy's there too. Is- you know, Missouri, you know, two more all SEC players in Florida. Now, don't get me wrong, special teams come into this as well. And I probably at least should have put more detail if there was punters or kickers uh, involved. But either way, you know, Florida doesn't have a punter or kicker listed. So I, it, it's, it's fair game. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Look, I think, think end of the day, this is all fun and games, but... Yeah. I would be very surprised if South Carolina had six all-SEC players. Right. Yep. Agreed. But I mean, yeah. who, who, who'd they have last year? Did they have anybody last year? I can't even remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, right off the top. I mean, there you go. I mean, yes, they probably did. But, uh, but trying to list them off the top of our head, I mean, you know. Come on, you don't want to Google it? Here, I got you. I, got you. But, I mean, I could flip <laughs> back into the magazine of who they actually have listed, but I was only worried about Florida here. Yeah, I'm, still not seeing them. I'm flipping through them. I don't see, yeah. anybody, on, I don't see anybody on the uh, first or second team on offense. So there you go. Oh, they got one. Jalen Foster, who was uh who was AP one for defensive backs. Oh, and then Cam Smith, who was AP two at defensive backs. Okay. So That's two guys. It. Yeah, I think let's see. I could probably find this pretty quick. All right, here, here we go. At least at Lindy's. Those are, those, theirs was easier to find. Uh and okay, they're buying it. That's who we that's who we have here. So yeah, Lindy's was what is one given South Carolina a lot of love. So if I can quickly put this together, uh, yeah, Cam Smith is on there, of course. Uh, Zach Pickens, defensive lineman, no surprise, I guess. You know, uh, Josh Van at wide receiver. I think he was. Was he one of the transfers? I can't remember. Um, they have a couple. They have one offensive lineman, one all-purpose player, linebacker Brad Johnson. So. There you go. I mean, there's some of the names for him, but yeah, yeah. They, that's first, second, and third team, by the way. Yeah, you, you're talking about projections, man. Like, at some point, you're starting. Like, when's the last time South Carolina had six All SEC players? I would bet it was when Steve Spurrier was there. I was about to say. I mean, yeah, the, the head ball coach was roaming the sidelines for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's get into it. Will uh, big feature here uh, of Florida's probably best overall player right now. A lot of love in both magazines from Osiris Torrance, but especially Lindy's. Um, he is the only All-American Florida has, according to Lindy's. So Osiris Torrance features him as a first-team All-American, the best guard in the country. 
the only Gator on the list as far as an All-American goes. Uh, quickly, though, they do have Anthony Richardson as the 18th best quarterback in the country, uh, Jervon Dexter as the ninth best defensive tackle in the country, Ventrell Miller as the 10th best linebacker in the country. So there's, there's, there's some of your Ventrell Miller love there, Will, uh, with, but that coming from Lindy's. Uh, but they also – here's some more love for Torrance, Will. They list Torrance as the sixth best non-quarterback impact transfer in the country and the best pass blocker in the SEC. So a lot of love coming Osiris Torrance's way. He's recognized uh, by Lindy's there. But, Will, let's go back a couple weeks ago. Huge recognition for Osiris Torrance as he was named Walter Kemp preseason first-team All-American. Uh, so I'll go back and you, you'll get his uh, reaction to that. He was on the most recent Twitter uh, Twitter spaces with David Soderquist. He, he, uh, Torrance joined David Soderquist and me a couple weeks ago in the Gator Collective Twitter spaces, and he dives into the honor. Uh, and also fellow offensive lineman Kingsley Aguacan shares the importance of having Torrance's experience in the group. It was an honor because I, I wasn't, I really wasn't expecting it. Then I had just seen like uh, um, a notification came on my Twitter, and I had it. Then like it just started blowing up. Was I, I didn't know nothing about it, and it was just like shocking. Them. But it was still on. They get it though. At the same time, I honestly try not to pay attention to it because like I don't, I don't, I don't like to like pay attention to accolades to like after the season. But like from from seeing it, it definitely it definitely makes me like want to go harder than like the fact that Javon's on the two. Like we both be going to get stuff at practice, and like I got, I, I feel like he's probably one of the best D tackle in this conference. And like just from getting reps to him, just like builds my confidence towards like towards the season to play against other like SEC opponents and stuff like that because it's going to be a difference from what I'm used to. So like, but getting the reps against him and other guys at practice is like. Helps build my confidence every day, and then just that award just kind of helps it a little bit too, like give you more to work for too, and like keep the drive going. Is it uh, does it kind of you know, confirm a little bit all the work that you've been, you've been putting in and uh, leading up to that point? Yeah, yeah, that too. I feel like I'm putting in a lot of work, even like from from back at um, Louisiana. Just I feel like all that work I put in just kind of like paying off a little bit from. Me getting that, and then I just like feel like it's just giving me another opportunity to show it over here, and I feel like we got a good group over here that I can show it and like do good with. You still gonna try to keep up those zero sack numbers? <laughs> oh yes, sir. That's the goal. <laughs> 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 yeah, I looked that up the other day, and I said, "Wow, that's amazing." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I say I had a um, had a lot of. I said I wouldn't put it all on me. I had other good linemen around me. Then like. That's the um, other good QB at um, Louisiana. Like, it just kind of helped out, too. Kingsley, what did you gain from Osiris Torrance uh, and those guys playing a lot of, uh, under a lot of this staff uh, the year before? Uh, I would say Osiris, he helped a lot because he already knew. Like When, when it, we initially started playing, he already knew everything because like, he's been in the offense. So like when we would be on the field, if it'd be something that maybe everybody else a little foggy on, he might have the answer for it, or he can, like, help guide it a little bit. Um, so I would say with that, that was definitely a big help, uh, just getting adjusted to a new offense and a new system. Uh, well, there we go. One more quote uh, from the Lindy's preview. This came come from a Florida staff member. They did not name the staff member. But, quote, he's honestly the most SEC-ready offensive lineman we have. He's just the most complete guy, they said about Osiris Torrance. Yeah, I mean, he's projected to be a first-round NFL draft pick, right? Like, And he's a guard, so guards are less important than tackles, really, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. But when you think about what Billy Napier wants to do, guards are really, really important. And we just talked about how Florida's defensive line last year with Braun and and White and Egelkin were able to push back Alabama's defensive line. And so now you bring in a guy like Torrance who's really NFL ready. And, you know, if he hadn't have transferred to Florida and he'd gone into the NFL draft, he probably would have been drafted in the second or third round, you figure, last year. Guy who's first team all Sun Belt in 2021, second team all Sun Belt in 2020. But I think in 2019, it's important to note that he was a freshman All-American. One of the things you'll mm -hmm. note is if you look at guys who make freshman All-American, those are guys who tend to make All-Conference and All-American later on because they just sort of show that talent early on. And that's the thing is this isn't like Osiris Torrance is a late bloomer. It's that he was identified by Napier and their staff, brought him in, and he was good right away. And so you know he was part of those lines and in 2020 and 2021 – 
were Joe Moore Joe Moore Award semifinalists, which are you know is an award for the the line the broader line. A bunch of guys from those lines went to the NFL, and I think if you ask Napier, he might say that Torrance is the best one he's had. <laughs> and so you know they, they've had some really good offensive linemen there, and the, and these have been three star guys who've come in. So I know we talk about recruiting all the time, but offensive lines a tough place to evaluate and evaluate well when you're when you're looking at right you can see a road grader but how does he pass block you know maybe you catch a guy on a good day and and you, and you give him a like the the can't miss guys are guys you see and you go okay yeah they can't miss but once you start getting down into the the three the four the five hundreds i think there's probably a lot more uh differentiation between those guys and it's kind of hard to see um see which ones are better so again napier ids him comes in he's great as a true freshman and then you know all of a sudden he's been great as a junior great as a senior or great as a sophomore great as a junior i don't know why we wouldn't think he'd be great as a senior and given the unit he's coming into and the success they had on the ground last year i suspect he's going to get a lot of pub especially if florida's if florida's run game is as effective as it was last year yeah, excited to, to to definitely have him and you know him him on that Twitter spaces a couple of weeks ago. And if you can, you want to listen to the whole thing. Uh, it was one of our first chances we really got to dive in uh, there with Osiris Torrance. Uh, it's on the Gator Collective site there. So, Will, before we wrap it up, I wanted to go one more thing, and I caught this going back over the magazine right before we went live here, and it's called Class Warfare, and it's who can win a national championship. And they say everybody falls into one of these five classifications. And this is coming from Lindy's here. So they call Class A actually part of the conversation. And we know the teams here. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. Uh, so now they're, they're bringing in everything. Name, image, and likeness, conference realignment, TV deals, bowl games, NFL draft, all that stuff. Uh, so this goes into what programs can win the national championship. So Class A, they labeled that actually part of the conversation. Class B, trying to get back into the conversation. Florida, Florida State, LSU, Miami, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, USC. I think you know, no surprise for Florida to be among that group. Who, who's but, Florida State? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who that is. Um, yeah, they, they might be a little too soon on that one. Uh, because, I mean, if you go and look at Class C, Auburn, Michigan, who just made a college football playoff, uh, Michigan State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Washington, Oregon, Wisconsin. That's Class C, who they have think they should be part of the conversation. <laughs> so I don't know the distinction between trying to get back into the conversation. I guess that's teams who have actually won titles in then you know somewhat recent history, 15, 20 years or so. Um, as you, you know, but I mean, Penn State. Where's, where's Nebraska? Frost lost like thirty-seven games by one score last year. He should be much better. With uh, um, so here we go. I'll, I'll just keep going, and then we'll come back to Florida. There, Class D is on the rise, on the edge of the conversation. Cincinnati, Cincinnati Houston, everybody uh, else in the SEC except Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say if if they put uh, if they put Central Florida in there in that category, I'm just I'm just logging out. Class E would like to be, would like to someday be part of the conversation. Everybody else in Power Five conference not listed below, above. <laughs> so <laughs> they're not even listing Group of Five at all, except for Cincinnati and Houston. Probably right. Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, but yeah, so all the classifications, five classifications. There, Florida is in the trying to get back into the conversation with. Florida State, LSU, Miami, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, USC. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think <laughs> I, I think Florida is trying to get back into the conversation, right? I mean, now Florida was in the conversation in 2020, so it hasn't been right. too long since Florida was in that conversation. And Florida tends to jump up. I mean, you know, I, we talk about recruiting and we criticize it from time to time or all the time, depending upon who we are. And, and <laughs> you know, sometimes that's warranted and sometimes it's not. I think it's, it's easy to forget that in 2012, Florida was really, really close to playing for a title. Yep. In 2015 and 2016, Florida was in the SEC championship game. In 2019, they went 11-2, and two, and had they been able to take out Georgia, would have been in the SEC championship game. Now, obviously, they lose to Georgia. 2020, they beat Georgia, and they end up in the SEC championship game. The hiccup against LSU is a problem, but still, you know, that was a – like I don't think Florida had much of a shot to win that SEC championship game, but it was a good game. Like they were able to make Alabama sweat a little bit. 
Um, so, you know, recent history for Florida is that they can jump up and be a competitor in the conference. Like, I don't think anybody's questioning that. And if you're a competitor in the SEC, you have a shot at making it to the playoff, which, look, Ohio State had a little bit of a down year last year. Michigan had a little bit of an up year last year. Michigan got Ohio State, and that's how they got into the got into the playoff. And then we saw what happens to a team like Michigan when, when they get in the playoff against one of the big boys in the SEC. That's your problem, right? Like, the problem yeah. right there is if Florida was in the Big Ten, I think we'd pick them top three in the conference and say, eh, Ohio State's probably going to beat them. But, you know, do they have a chance to beat Michigan? Absolutely. Do they have a chance to beat Wisconsin? I think they'd be favored. Michigan State, I think they'd be favored. Like Florida, I think, would be favored against everybody except for um, potentially Ohio State and Michigan next year, maybe Penn State if they were in the Big Ten, right? But now you start asking who would Florida be favored against in the SEC? Georgia, no. Alabama, no. A&M, no. Arkansas, uh, close. I would, but I don't know that everybody yeah, else Yeah, I mean, would. Florida was playing yeah. Arkansas week one. Arkansas would be favored. Yeah. And so again, now, now you're going down the East as well. And it looks like people are picking South Carolina. People are picking Kentucky with Levis and Rattler. People are picking Tennessee. And so, you know, I, I think the question marks in the SEC are different than the Big Ten. So, yeah, you know, look, it takes, it's going to take some time for Florida to get back to where they're a consistent player there, certainly given what we've seen on the recruiting show recently. But the idea that they can't jump up into that conversation or that they can't take that jump the same way Michigan did last year, I think is, is false, right? I think Florida has a great opportunity to make the playoff under Billy Napier, not this year probably, but in the next two, three, four years, I think they have a great opportunity to do it. The question when we harp on recruiting is do they have an opportunity to do it every year? And, right. you know, Alabama right now, everyone expects them to make the playoffs. They pick them to make the playoffs. Georgia, everyone expects them to be there. They pick them to make the playoff if they don't get if they don't get knocked out by Alabama. Right. And so that's where Florida wants to be. And so the building aspect of it is, you know, that Florida's had a few up years and some down years and hasn't made the playoff yet. But I think they've been pretty close, as opposed to some of those other teams that were on that bill. Like Florida State hasn't sniffed a playoff in a decade. And you know, ever since Jimbo Fisher left, what was that, 2013, mm-hmm. that they that they won the championship with yeah. Winston, and then did they lose to Oregon the next year in in 14? In, Is in that the, the uh, in the first round of the playoff? Yeah, in the first round of the playoff, like they haven't sniffed it since then. So you know, the idea that that they're in the same category as Florida, I think, is a little bit insulting to Florida. Uh, but again, it depends on how you define those classes, I suppose. Yeah, like I said, you know, Penn State you know, hasn't won a national championship in forever. Um, you know, they're in that list. Uh, Texas has fallen on harder times than Florida has. So they're on that list. USC, recent history, falling harder than Florida has. Um, LSU, you know, right on par with Florida, but has beaten them on the field the last couple of years. Recent, recent, recent national championship. Uh, and then, you know, Miami trying to get back there with, with, with Crystal Ball is kind of in the same shape as Florida as far as, you know, what they're looking at this year. Uh, in coming up in the in the coming years, so yeah, I just thought that was very interesting. I, I came across it. I was given that that magazine one last glance before the episode, so just want to get your thoughts on that, Will. But yeah, here we go, man. Um, hey, we got that one right in an hour, so good job, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I paid attention when you told me to shut up. That's that's, that's the key. <laughs> All right, Will, what you got coming up at Reading Reaction, man? Yeah, I was working on that Stetson Bennett article. I never got it done. So that's what's coming up this week is uh, a, a real trying to take an analytical look at Stetson Bennett, trying to look at it and say, hey, should we fear him? You know, where where Richardson is ranked, right? I mean, does that make sense in terms of where he's ranked? You know, we've got Richardson ranked. He's below Bennett. Does that make sense? Does he have another gear? Can he can he turn it up? Is he going to be able to lead Georgia to a to another championship or at least another one over Florida, given the uh, given the fact that they lost an awful lot on defense last year? Basically, was the championship a a product of the defense or does Stetson Bennett have another, another step up? And, you know, look, I think it's good to take a look at the rivals, understand where they are. And this is the one that Florida's trying to overcome. So want to get a look at that. So people know what to expect, because the reality is I think we all sort of look at Stetson Bennett, especially like halfway through last year and sort of scoffed. And then, you know, you look at his stats at the end of the year, they're really good. So the Mm -hmm. question is, is that a product of the system and a product of the help that he gets from the defense or is it that he really does have that ability and, you know, that we ought to respect him maybe more as a fan base. So that's what we're looking into and hopefully people enjoy that. Uh, well, yeah, it'd be uh hometown of Blackshear, Georgia in Atlanta next Wednesday. Stetson Bennett and myself will be up in Atlanta next, next Wednesday. So <laughs> we have to ask, is, is there something specific about Blackshear, Georgia that, uh, 
you know, that like when you were growing up there that, uh, you know, you would both have in common. So like a, an arcade or, no, or something. No, no I'm, I'm much older. So no, no oh. yeah. And I was say, I, is there anything in Blackshear, Georgia that, uh, is of note? Nope. Just a high school. <laughs> Blackshear, <laughs> Blackshear is really small. So everybody out there, if you know, if you, if you've driven through Pierce County, Blackshear, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's, uh, there's not much there. So, uh, but yeah, you know that that'd be that'd be kind of cool. So yeah, uh, Wednesday it's the media days. Florida is there the same day as Georgia uh, for Wednesday, and Florida announced Anthony Richardson, Richard Garage, and Ventrell Miller. So I was surprised Ventrell Miller got the pick two years in a row. So, um, but you know, he is the leader on that defense. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, makes sense. D- does does Stetson Bennett have your accent? I believe. Oh, I that's great. Yeah, I, I, are you going to get an opportunity to ask him any questions about? Blackshear? I, I, I do hope so because I do want to throw the Blackshear angle at him a little bit. You know, here, here's a gator, here's a dog uh, from, from from Blackshear, so I know the, the the locals will get a kick out of it if we can uh, get something done there. So oh, that's great. I, I joke, but that is pretty cool, right? Yeah. To have a guy who's a big time college football quarterback um, coming off of a championship to be able to say he's from your hometown. Now, obviously, he's for the rival, right. um, which means you should give him some crap that he didn't come down to Florida. But uh, <laughs> you know, beyond beyond that, uh, you know that that'll be cool. Yeah, but it'd be, be be a fun time next week there in Atlanta. So that'll be uh, next week uh, SEC media day coverage. Uh, like crazy from Atlanta. Uh, so it'd be our normal, my normal episode I put together with all kind of uh, video and sound bites from Coach Napier and the players. It'd be, hey, look, it'll be Napier's first uh, SEC media day. So that'd, that'd be cool. And we do get to hear from the quarterback. So that's always a good time uh, as well. And then I'll do another episode next Friday when we get the SEC predicted order of finish. So that'll be on the docket next week uh, for SEC media day. So, all right, Will, anything else, man? No, I just really appreciate everybody supporting us with the magazine. It's been awesome to see everybody's response and, uh, you know, really appreciate everybody supporting us out there. Sounds good. You can find Will at readandreaction.com and on Twitter at WillMilesSDC. I am the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Thousand girls out there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>